Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's amazing uh, Halloween episode. All right, guys, it's official. The Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. It's the best way to help the show, guys. It's also the best way to make this show exactly what you want. For as little as a dollar a month, you can uh, dip into the old uh, community over there, see what we're working on, see what we're building together. And as you go up the tier rankings, you actually can select the movies that you want us to talk about specifically, guys. So we have a Highlander tier system that allows each tier to have X amount of movies that we'll cover this, that, and the other. It's a lot of fun, guys. We're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. We have a lot of cool ideas uh, coming up after this October uh, bonanza is over. It's really a lot of work to do. So we're always working on new stuff over there. For those of you that support us, we thank you. For those of you who are about to, we thank you as well. Make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our podcasts there, along with some other uh, content we've been rolling out. We're having a good time with that, trying to grow over there as well. So make sure to do that. Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show. Uh, you can email us filmalchemistpod at gmail.com or find us on all the social media that you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of and we love to hear from you guys. So reach out, reach out and touch us. Uh, it's cool. It's all good. It's gonna. It's not weird. It's not as weird as it sounds. It is as weird as I sounded. Let's move on. All right, guys, today on our October mega marathon, we march on 31 days, 31 pods as we descend into the horror beast. Uh, yes, we done lost our minds, but it's been really fun doing so. Today, we're joined by one of our returning uh, co-hosts who we cherish. We, we love this uh, lady. She always is so gracious with her time. She always brings the thunder when we ask her to come on. Today, we will be discussing the new Halloween classic, Trick or Treat. Little R, little R treat. Uh, this is the film that Jessica selected. I'm so glad she did. Actually, every Halloween... Every October that we've begun to do these uh, marathons, right, where the episodes have increased all the time, we knew that Trick or Treat would be coming. I'm actually glad we waited because it was really fun to talk with Jessica about it. She adores Trick or Treat. As always, Jessica brings amazing insight. She's very funny. She just she glows this this love of movies that uh, we love to bask in. And this movie especially, it's just really fun to hear her talk about uh how this movie has become a new classic for a lot of us in the horror community. So Jessica is the absolute best guys. Jessica is a writer. She does a lot of stuff. So I'm going to put her details in the show notes uh, in the show description. So make sure you find Jessica's work. You can thank us later. She is truly one of the great people. She's an amazing podcaster too. She can add that to a resume verified as you're about to find out. So sit back and enjoy guys. We know it's a lot of podcasts all in a row. We thank you for those of you who are doing this journey with us. So go follow all Jessica's stuff. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod, and enjoy Trick or Treat. Welcome back to the show, our friend and returning host, Jessica Rose. Thank you so much for coming back to talk to us. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for having me. We knew October would not be complete without you returning, so we're glad you took the time. Uh, and this is a really awesome movie, really awesome one that we've wanted to do every October since we started the show. Um, would you like to tell everyone what movie you selected tonight and why you love it so much? Um, I picked Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, <laughs> <laughs> directed by uh, Mike Darty. Um, I picked it because I think it's the essence of October for me. Uh, when I think of October, I immediately think of Halloween, obviously. And when I think of Halloween, I think of Sam. And yeah. so it's just one of it's <laughs> one of the classics, but it's also super modern. And I really like how nostalgic it already has a feel mm -hmm. in the community mm -hmm. for. So I'm really excited to talk about it. It was a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought when I watched it is I was just like, God damn, I want to live in this movie. Right. <laughs> like, it's just that it's the town that you wish you had. You know, every Halloween. That's how I imagine Halloween. Um, and yeah, I, th I think it's this really fun mix of kind of the things that we like about new horror, but they talk about it too, right? The traditions are there to protect us. And it it's this really nice bridge between the old and the new. Alex, what are your, uh, your initial thoughts on Trick or Treat? Does every single movie about bad trick or treaters or like horrifying things that happen during Halloween happen in Ohio? Cause like all this <laughs> shit happens boy, around Alex, where yeah. I grew up. Like it, it was the glaring question I had watching it this time is I was like, <laughs> what does the police station look like the day after this movie? I mean, and does this I happen can, every year? There's like 15 like, dead bodies every year. Terrible things seem to happen. Like I like, so I grew up in one of these towns and like in Ohio and I can tell you the police station does not have the proper is not properly suited to handle a lot of these props. Um, <laughs> I loved this movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, I I love anthology movies. It's funny we've actually been on a run recently of watch, watching these anthology movies. Um, it's rare that they work the way they're intended to, but Trick or Treat works exactly as it's meant to. It's nostalgic the perfect way. It's nostalgic. It's refreshed and modern the way it needs to be. And it does all the things that I absolutely adore about these kinds of movies without being like way too complicated and annoying for my taste. Like it's so much fun to watch. Everything's properly compartmentalized and then it's not. I absolutely adored it. Well, one of the fun things about this one, Jessica, is that it doesn't just present these as block films, right? Most anthologies you go segment, segment, segment. Yep. Trick, or Trick or Treat decides to interweave these not necessarily chronologically, but we jump from segment to segment to segment. So it's almost as if all the stories are with us throughout most of the runtime of the film. What did you make of that decision? Um, it's obviously a brilliant choice because I, I love anthologies as well. I like things. Um, I like piecemeal. I'm with like, you know, five shorts in one. But what I think Trick or Treat does so right is that it has it has the wraparound. It's got the separate segments, but because everything is so weaved, you really don't get a break. And and I mean that as like a compliment. Like you don't yeah. want to have a break in a horror movie. You don't want to regroup. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. and I think that that's one of the things that it does that's so cool. It keeps you on your toes, and then it always keeps you looking for the other parts of the other stories. There's like, it's got all these little. Um, 
Easter, like, like it's their own um, Easter eggs in there. Yeah. And I really like that too. It's always, there's always something to look at, always something to point out and always mm-hmm. something to puzzle together. So that's what I think it does. Right. It's, it's like a perfect formula without having a formula. I yeah. I, I think to your point, that's a really brilliant way to put it. Right. Is sometimes like, let's say something like VHS, right? You finish the first one. You're like, God, that's good. And while you're sitting there processing that, you're missing the start of the next film. You're just mm-hmm. not as engaged, right? So it's yep. almost like you're missing the first couple minutes of the next segment every time as you're trying to process, hopefully, the big finish, which is what short horror films deliver. Right. And what is fun about this one is, yeah, because you don't know what's happening to Anna Paquin. So even though you see the amazing you know, reveal of the, uh, the jack-o'-lantern where he needs help with the eyes, yeah. you still have other stuff that you're continued with. So you're really extra pulled into the story. Which I love. So, Alex, which of the four stories would you like to start with? Actually, let me start. I'm going to start. I'm going to take this one because I got to say something right off the bat. Oh, there you go. Take Ooh. it away. Jeez. I know. I was like, I was giving you a bone. And then I mean, I, I thought we were gentlemen. I was going to say ladies first, but sure, Griff, go for it, I guess. No. This is no. actually more important than both of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we have to talk about the real villain of this movie, which is the blonde wife from the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> because who I comes agree. home from a night of drinking and is like, I need to take down these 8,000 decorations oh, Bill, right now. On. I agree. Oh, man, it, I agree. <laughs> it was like the first note I made that I was like, who, yeah. who does this? And then I'm looking over at my husband and I'm like, he would do that. He would do that. <laughs> that that is very like, much oh my how God, my wife I, is, too. Do I, I hate him? Why <laughs> <laughs> do tomorrow what I can do tonight at 11 o'clock? Yeah, no. Uh. I, but that's why I was like, well, she's a psychopath. I don't have to feel bad for her because she's essentially the one character in the movie that meets a definitely grisly fate that doesn't yeah. seem to deserve it. But it's kind of funny because through the film, they actually write two things in. Right. And it's that that she doesn't respect a pumpkin enough and she cleans at 11 at night. But also she walks away from uh, the victim in the middle of the parade. But I thought that was kind of a funny way to start the film, right? Is just attacking this normal married couple. What did you think of the opening to this movie, Jessica? Um, I think she definitely deserved it because <laughs> see how she was hacking those decorations in that box in 15 minutes? Yeah, I unbelievable. lovingly wrap my Halloween decorations, <laughs> the ones that I do put up. Um, they deserve to be bubble wrapped. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say anybody deserves to, you know get brutal on their front lawn on <laughs> Halloween. But it, she she broke tradition. I love opening scenes. It's so uh, – it's paced really well. I like mm. that it's super quick. It's a nice cold open. Um, Leslie Bibb is – like a lot of the characters in the movie, you do kind of feel bad for them. They're so average, mean. They're horrible people that, that, and at worst – really bad people but there's like a human element to all of them and i think she kind of sets that at first like you know she just wants to get her stuff done she wants to go in and she just made some really bad choices and she should have listened to her <laughs> husband <laughs> kill me for saying that but no no nothing needs to go up <laughs> i mean i agree but i think that's one of the things too is you you do it is kind of funny because as soon as she's like let's clean up tonight i was like nope Nope, yeah, I don't accept no, this person. I hate her. Not okay. But then her <laughs> husband's just like, hey, come on. Uh. And she's like, you're not going to help. You'll wake up at noon and play video games all day. And you're like, 
All right. I do feel bad for her a little bit that she's married to this, like, gigantic baby man. Because <laughs> he's just like, let's go put the porn on and get to work. But it's what I like about it is it's such a it's such an obvious game that we're playing, right? You know exactly how that story is going to go. You know every beat. They're telling you visually exactly what's going to happen. And it still works because to your point, it's just wonderfully shot and paced. So even though you know exactly what's happening, it's still a delight. And I think that kind of sets the tone for how the rest of this film plays out. Uh, what do you make of that, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a, it's a great opener. Like, that's really, I mean, it serves a little narrative purpose, like you were saying, but it does the job of any great opener, particularly in an anthology, which is to just hook you from the jump. And I mean, like, everything about it's great. It's funny. It seems like we all wrote something similar. I literally wrote... My first note was this bitch. Like that was like the first thing I wrote because, like, yeah, I'm just like, come on, it's come what's wrong on. with you. Are go you inside really and watch the nature special. Come Are you really? On. Yeah, go inside and watch the nature special. That yeah, and the... she still has VHSs while there are cell phones. Yeah, come in the world. on, what is wrong with this? This is a strange home. Clearly, yeah. you know what's going on. You're gonna let the guy keep VHS tapes, and you think he's like not gonna just go upstairs and just just nail just beat one out real quick while you clean horrible. up the front yard what's wrong with you horrible but, but you yeah. know what's really weird is that the movie's telling us is that her crime against the pumpkin is worse than what brian cox did because sam <laughs> literally they're having like the the kill bill showdown and he just turns and goes and kills that lady and i, I know <laughs> that brian cox is left for a bigger fish as it were. i didn't say this actually in the uh, <laughs> beginning but like any movie that has brian cox in it is immediately going to be like one of my favorites ever. yeah Mm-hmm. Brian Cox is in so many great movies and he's just in general like one of my favorite like utility actors to show up in movies. I don't know why they gave him the nose piece, but like nevertheless, he's still <laughs> just the best. It's Halloween. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's his costume. That's it. You're right. That's yeah. it. That's his costume. It's a good so, point. uh Jessica, why Stand don't corrected. we why don't we let you start? Which of the four tales is your yeah. favorite and which one would you like to talk about first? Oh, uh my favorite is um is story i i love this is gonna sound so fucked up i love a movie that'll kill kids I know that that's <laughs> you know so what's wrong. funny you are not even probably like the first to 10 yeah. person who's told us that on this i was show. gonna say i'm not sure even that's the 12th bat worst thing i've heard somebody say on this a lot of our guests are really in for killing children on this show it's very strange <laughs> And that's the worst thing you could, it's the worst thing you could do that. Like, and I it like is. the movies that have the balls to actually go there and kind of do it in like a quirky, funny way. But um, rewatching it um, recently, and I watch it every Halloween. I don't know why I, you know, I was like, oh, there's some problematic verbiage in this segment. There's some problematic verbiage in a, in a good bit of it. Like, but like, we're talking about 2010, seven, 2007. Seven, yeah, seven. Um, so I was like, oh, dang it, maybe this isn't, like, politically correct here, but (laughs) I love a good revenge story, and Rhonda's got the perfect one, and she didn't really have to try, they kind of just screwed themselves, um, and being an outcast myself, being a weird girl, I sympathize with Rhonda, I would have left them down there, too. Yeah, fuck them kids, as Michael Jordan said in the (laughs) meme, but... (laughs) Yeah, I, it's so funny because it is hard to pick a favorite because I feel like every time I watch it, I have a different favorite. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and today I don't know why, but the the serial killer dad principle is just my favorite story. Because at one, I like that it's it's almost three different stories with him, right? Because one, you have the, this is just a guy whose father seemingly set him on this path. And he's just mad that he's a vice principal and he's mad that all these fucking kids are fucking up his pumpkins and stealing the, you know, please take one candy, which every kid does. Um, but it's funny to think of this guy, this principal who's going too far. And then it just keeps going. Like when he's in the backyard and he's burying the body and you just hear daddy. That that still shocks me every time I watch the film. And it's it's one of the things this movie does really well, right? Is I love the idea because they start with the newscast of, you know, it's the one night that we can all pretend to be the worst thing that we are. And this movie's telling us is while we're out celebrating this behavior, there are really monsters living that life right now. And they're not part of the celebration almost ever. They're all kind of, as you were saying, on the outskirts of this night of festivities. So I think that story really captured what is the most fun element of this film, right? The monsters that are among us. What do you think of that, Alex? Yeah, actually, the vice principal is my favorite story, too. Not just because he sort of Maybe we're we're getting older, we're dads, we have kids. (laughs) I think it's a matter of... It's odd. This is actually the first movie I... uh, First movie I've ever watched where I've been like, oh, finally that fat kid died. Like, that was actually, I was like, (laughs) normally you're like, I was that fat kid. (laughs) You're just sitting there like, oh, why are you killing kids? It's like, dude, what a little dick. Like, just fucking, like, not. He had no friends to trick or treat with him. No parents trick or treat. He's just a sad, lonely boy. Not obeying the rules, though. We've established Mm -hmm. early on at the top, if you disobey the rules, you're going to get got. That's how this movie works. (laughs) The rules work. Yeah, he smashes like, he smashes like, a whole bunch of jack lanterns yeah, all night long. He's, cool. been, he's literally he just all night. Yeah. I mean, he's not. I would have poisoned him too. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you guys something though. There was something really strange in that bit. Yeah. He is a, uh, he's a tough one, but I, I sympathize for little fat, lonely kids. I did. I did feel bad in the way they killed him. The, the, the throwing up the blood feels like it lasts five minutes. That's not blood. It, it, it is five. Is it not? It, I I I double checked. It looks just brown. It just it's looks blood like blood and chocolate, whatever. right? Because oh, it has razor it blades in it, right? No, no. I think it was poisoned. Just, well, right? I know he poisoned him, but it's just like maybe non-stop. he did it all. He wanted to make sure to bring it yeah, down. I mean, look, either way, projectile vomited until he died. So, like, I no, guess it, it is blood because We're... his shirt's covered in blood. It's I a nice. That was... It's a nice like like autumn mix. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an artisanal an artisanal viscera yeah. it, is a ni- it is a nice primer for the uh, winter months you know <laughs> for the more macabre starbucks whenever, whenever i think of like vomit scenes in movies i think that's one of the first ones that pop into my head because i was like oh my god that is so it's pretty gross it's like, always this and stand gross. by me every for time those not, are the two. right like stand by me is also one like for being not uh for being not too like graphic, it's still like really gross. I think it's because just so much comes up. You're like, wow, there's like something I felt like I, like I still, like I felt uncomfortable for this kid. Like he's puking so much. Like this has got to be scary. Like there's that point, like 
I mean, I'm sure we've all had that moment where we've been like vomiting from whatever reason you decide to vomit from, where you're like, this seems like a lot. Something's wrong. Something's really wrong. And it's not just like I'm really hungover and puking a lot because eventually you run out of stuff to puke. But like, that's like the fear of vomiting, that kind of thing. That actually, it was like, this was the moment in the movie already. I was just like, Jesus, this is not comfortable at all. Something horrible. It's it's a kid. It's a father. It's an authority figure. And yes. that's what he does when he answers the door, right? And he's kind of scared, and then he just happy Halloween, and he just smiles, right? It's just well, tell me, Dylan Baker too me. is also oh. like not one of the best like actors so for good. this. Like, so perfect. He's perfectly he's so creepy, cast. but yeah. also like so nice looking. <laughs> you he could imagine that, like, him working anywhere that your parents work, but yeah. also that he serial kills children. He's an actor who falls <laughs> in that perfect intersection between like he can make it creepy or it isn't like, I don't know how he does it, honestly. Like it might just be the look on his face, but he just like, literally it takes like an eye roll and he becomes like either terrifying or just like the sweetest next door neighbor ever. Like it's, (laughs) it's unbelievable, honestly, but he's, he's so good. I wanted to ask you about a weird thing. I noticed this time that I'm not sure I ever noticed in this segment. Right. Mm Hmm. So when he's down in the grave, right? He's already pre-dug a grave. Another scary fucking thing, right? You have to start wondering how many people are on his record at this point, right? And when he's in there, as he's, uh, you know, haranguing the neighbor, right? And he's throwing the finger to the dog and this and that, right? These little kind of comedic bits that are sprinkled throughout the movie that make burying a child more tolerable, right? (laughs) When the hand reaches out of the bags, as he's talking, the, the boy starts to wake back up. It's like a killer clown from out of space hand that grabs his pant leg. It is fully in like a circus clown outfit all the way to the wrist and like a white Mickey Mouse glove. And it's not because that kid was wearing a yellow short sleeve shirt, right? He didn't really have a costume on. Yeah. Do you think that this was one of these kind of like Halloween ghouls taking the place? Or did he dress him in a costume before he put him in the burlap sack? That's what I, I mean. I've never another... noticed this before. Wow, I'm not until sure today. I noticed that. On wow, he's got like a clown sleeve, right? It looks like Michael yeah. Myers' costume at the start of Halloween One. Yeah. Why would he have that costume on? Maybe it's the. I ceremony. thought it was another trick or treater. Yeah. Oh, maybe oh, it was a whole wow. other kid. Yeah, that's what so I was they... thinking. Like that, he's been doing it all night long. Oh shit! So this might be like his fifth or sixth. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh wow! I did not think of that. Holy shit! Because you know that oh, kid wasn't in there. That is so much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Like that kid not been in there like long. He's been in there that evening. He thought he was dead. And yeah. Was it? Oh. You probably couldn't get up and grab a leg if you're about to be the jack-o'-lantern. Right? As we see, <laughs> it would have been hard for the the portly boy to be grabbing legs at that point. Uh, <laughs> but that, I don't know. There's something so unsettling about, because this is the thing. I live in a, you know, kind of new subdivision where it's all people with kids and, you know, everyone is like a young professional, this and that, except for me. Right, they're the one that they probably think I'm the guy out there fucking burying the, the bodies. <laughs> My wife's garden is just a garden, I promise. But anywho, but it's I've always found that fascinating. Right, is that when your neighbors go inside for the night, you have no fucking idea what's happening in that house. Like, what kind of weird, horrible shit people are up to? 
what kind of because everyone presents one thing to the world right and again i think this is the really good thing about dylan baker in this role is that he looks like he's like blade right he can walk between the worlds you know <laughs> a fucking creep and normal professional <laughs> And his ability to, within the scene, do the, like, put-upon dad, right? He's like a sitcom television father yeah. who's doing these fucking horrifying things. And it really strikes you that when he goes into that kitchen, they have a shot that I fucking love, right? When the kid's like, Daddy, help me. And he takes his dad's hand. And as the camera cuts past, right, the dad he reaches up and grabs his dad's hand. We go across his back, and the dad just grabs a knife with the other hand. And yeah. even though I've seen oh, this so movie good. over 10 times, because it's also one of our like guaranteed Christmas or Halloween movies every year now, every single time I'm still afraid he's going to kill that fucking kid, yep. even though I know where this is going. And I think that's a real testament to the crafting of this story. What do you think about that? That beat, Jessica, the first time you saw it, did you think that kid was getting it? Yes. Yes. And that's one of the things that makes trick or treat so special. Um, he, Dirty does that a lot. And throughout the movie where you think something is going one way and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a big plot point either um you you everything that you're watching is making you think it's going to be one way and that would mm -hmm. be a surprise but then it winds up being something totally different and that's an even bigger surprise and that's yeah. Yeah. what is like so i think engaging about it um i think that's what makes it super fun also contributes to that anthology structure that it's got it's you don't expect any of that and the stuff that you are expecting is so shocking and then it just totally drives off in something else uh yeah. of course you think he's gonna kill the kid it's every uh every, all the way up until he um stabbed that poor boy's corpse head made pointed to him that he's going to kill his child he obviously hates children and he's got an annoying one himself <laughs> yeah and i'm a sucker for i call them dark dark uh rockwell right like those images because my dad was my dad was not per se like a great family man but i remember once he took us to a museum and he's like this is important you have to go because they had a norman rockwell exhibit and we went and just looked at all these saturday evening posts like the classic mayberry american family bullshit that norman rockwell did and it wasn't lost on me and my brother like why are our family here right like this is not how our life goes day to day that's gonna kill me <laughs> yeah and you're just like this is very strange that my dad is so into this but i think a lot of people latch on to that and so i mean yeah i mean really but that's the funny thing about i love those images where you take a classic kind of family americana moment and you make it so fucking depraved Right. Because at the core of that, that's a father and a son bonding over something. Right. That's right. a father passing a tradition on to a kid, which we're all trained to love that moment. It just happens to be a fucking portly boy's curly head. And he's saying, don't forget to help me with the eyes. And it's so fucking depraved. And it's a good kind of depraved, too, because it's not like an in your face, like, listen to me or watch me like saw the face open. They don't have to do that. That one fucking still image is such a just biting moment that you do, do all the rest of the work yourself. Does it bother either of you? Cause it, like, actually this was something that I thought about and I'm like, is it because it's that kid that it's that kid from bad Santa? <laughs> like there's something about that because it was like legitimately like he was such a weird kid in bad Santa. I'm like, Oh, it's the bad Santa kid. Oh my God. Something bad's going to happen to him. And then it does of course. And you're just like, I, I was almost like, 
do I care because it's the bad Santa kid (laughs) or because it's so tragic? I mean, either one works, but it was just one of those things where I was like, am I having that? Like, again, I I never really have that issue, like separating an actor from like a movie there. (laughs) But it is one of those things where I realize he's played like the little cute kid, the cute chubby kid in a lot of movies. And I'm like, now he's a little asshole (laughs) having trouble. having trouble like it was really it was very it was very weird i didn't expect that i don't have any kids yet but i think all kids around that age are assholes yes yes like, they are the i don't think you have to have kids to know that yeah. <laughs> like, and you're like yeah charlie brown is an asshole you're an asshole a kid in the grave's an asshole everybody's an asshole uh kids are just assholes at that age but absolutely i but even though you're like oh i can't wait for that this kid to like bite it you also feel like you're like oh my god i didn't really mean it when you see it actually happening right like just thinking like you got to help me with the eyes like what does that mean what are we what are they gonna do can we make a scary face this time like holy shit because that's the thing it's it really does attack the horror movie viewer on this very pointed charge right which is this is what you guys came here for right yeah. and so as you're sitting there squirming in your seat like oh god it's a kid it's a kid the movie's pretty much like we know that this is what you really want you sick bastards and it you do have to take a moment of because the rest of the movie are like no one else in the movie do you really feel sympathetic for i feel like no. but in that moment there is something just really really cutting in that moment right that i think it's the one film that that has a little extra going on, right? Um, I absolutely adore the Rhonda story, too. That's probably my second favorite one. Because I think it's just such a classic, relatable tale, right? This this just horrifying story of bullying. bullying. But also, again, this gets back to the, this being a bridge between the kind of old classic ghost stories, right, of Halloween and yeah. the new kind of horror. I love the flashback to the, the bus, right? Same. I thought that was just one of the coolest parts. And, I mean, maybe, Jessica, you can talk to this, but, I mean, this movie is stunningly designed. Oh, God, yes. Like, those um, those costumes that the kids have, those oh, masks yeah. are so... Everything in the movie is iconic. I, I got him yes. everywhere. I have I that exact Sam. same thing. I got it last year. <laughs> <laughs> I ran to the store to get this lantern and, like, almost beat somebody to get it. I was like, nope, that's mine. <laughs> And the oh, Michael no. Myers one, too, that I was like, there's three of them here. So You're just like, do you, you guys, want this candy? Guys... Don't check it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a razor blade in my purse. Get away. That's yeah. <laughs> my fucking Sam. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it gets to – because we, we talked to uh, our friend Josh Lobo on the Fear Street podcast, right? When we talked about those movies, and they have these, like, this menagerie of monsters, right? And he was talking about when you're designing a movie and a character, how hard it is to find something that is simplistic and deeply creepy. And I feel like this movie just nails it across the board. I mean, because yeah. to your Absolutely. point, Sam is already an absolute Halloween icon with the titans of the horror uh, genre when you go out to look at merchandise at Halloween time. Right. They did that um, with all those kids on the bus with those masks. It looks like um, – like you see them a whole bunch online, especially when Halloween rolls around, like the um, scary costumes that kids wore that mm-hmm. were yeah. like, it's almost like the scary bunny where you're like, wow, that's really terrifying. But it, right. but for children, it's like, Oh, this is like fun and spooky and cute. Mm-hmm. But when you 
see it in a different context, it's like, oh, those are so chilling. And it almost gives each of the kids a little identity. You yeah. know, you have the Dracula totally. kid. And you have the, the bunny. Uh, it's it's so um, it's so easy to do, but it's also something that in a lot of these movies that take place during Halloween could make it kind of crowded, where it's like yeah. you know it almost gets sort of dizzying, but not in this. Everybody's got their own like little assigned costume, and well, it's very uh, it designates each yeah. person, which I really it like. Do, it does that thing that season of the witch does really well which is assigned this really sinister look to something that should be fairly innocuous yeah and that's that's it throughout the entire film yeah i mean it does it better than most movies i've seen actually really better than any movie i've seen assigning that kind of thing to this because like that to me is the level of iconography and that's why I mean, again, like think of the great horror movies we've seen this month, last year, all like, every year we've watched horror movies since we were children. Like, I can't think of one besides this that has like lasted from recent years. To be honest with you, like not the not the way that like a Michael Myers mask might last. Like, there's but not only that, but all the kids stuff is also this like really, it's a really terrifying thought because yeah. again, it's just it's kids stuff. Like, we shouldn't be assigning horrible things to children's stuff, and yet here we are. And that's what makes it, I think, that much more iconic and that much more yeah. interesting to watch. Well, that, that segment, especially in the flashback, is so brilliantly laid out, right? Because they mm-hmm. they sandwich it with juxtaposition between two things that are really horrifying, right? Which yeah. is, one, we see these modern kids that are so ruthless, right? We can tell mm-hmm. the whole time that Rhonda should not be going with these kids, right? Right. And it's it's harrowing to watch because you want to reach through the screen and save Rhonda. She's this very interesting, artistic, smart girl, right? And we just have this horrifying feel. We've already seen a kid get fucking murdered and then (laughs) another kid in a grave maybe. So maybe two kid murders playing with his head so you do not feel like Rhonda's safe at all. And so when they're retelling the story, something that struck me this time is when that that little uh, fucking evil – shithead girl is telling the story right <laughs> yeah is that as she's retelling it she's make she's telling it as in i think her phrasing is that these kids were different and disturbed right mm-hmm. which there's no evidence of that in the film at all these are kids that had various disabilities or whatnot right right but she used the phrase disturbed and so there was a part of me that wonders how much of the costuming right because when we see the picture later with the old man at that point, he's pretty much out of his mind, right? But it feels like she's making them sound more nefarious than they are because mm-hmm. that's how she wants to see people like Rhonda. So the fact that their masks are that creepy, that's how a little girl would see them, right? Is that they want to be creepy. They want to be scary because that's a reflection of their inner selves. And I thought that was a really cool extra touch and also, it's a way to kind of separate and villainize that girl and her friends from the children um, so that, it, again, it's more tolerable for them to get got. Yeah. But I just mm-hmm. I thought that that really struck me today, the fact that she's narrating that scene and just the the kind of stark brutality of the chains. And, the you know, when that little kid, the Dracula, just says, I want to go home. You just mm-hmm. want to cry. You just want to oh, yeah. cry. It's probably totally. like the most emotionally devastating scene in the movie. 
Yeah, it's it's one of the most devastating scenes I think I can think of as far as like children in horror go. They're they're helpless. They can't do anything. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it's a it's showing how children with special needs or or disabilities were viewed in that time. Like they're they're literally chained to a bus. Um, it's frightening. And who's to say that they were disturbed? That's adding that layer of oh, mm-hmm. they're a little extra creepy. But that's, that's how the they wording they used to use to anything. dehumanize them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They would describe anybody that wasn't average, normal by their standards at that time. And that's where they, Rhonda is there, is the modern day pull on that, where it's like, well, Rhonda's also very different. And right. they refer to her some colorful language. But it's like, no, Rhonda's also different, like they were. And that doesn't necessarily she's the bad one you kids are the bad ones you kids are the monsters and that's frightening (laughs) and it it speaks to the whole the whole like kind of like major theme of the movie is that you know where's where the monsters and monsters are hiding in plain sight all the time yeah that is a mantra we have on this show we tell everyone (laughs) that no monster is ever scarier than just a, a sick person. A depraved yeah. person is scarier than any monster will ever create. Because yeah, it little... could it could reside within any of us, right? Alex, what do you make of this segment? What what was jumping out at you watching this story? I mean, the I the the kid stuff just like kills me every time, man. There's just no way I, I there's no movie I can ever watch where kid like that the bus scene is that was I honestly I was like Oh God, is this how like all like, uh, like we got through the first one and I was like, that's pretty fun. And then I was like, Oh God, are the rest of these going to be like just kid murders? I'm not sure I can do this. Like I was like five seconds away from texting you and be like, you might need to do this one on your own. Cause I'm, I can't watch kids being murdered. Was this your like, first can, watch? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Which it was awesome. Like, again, this is like, this is definitely, this is one of my favorite Halloween movies now, but it's one of those things where it's like, hard for me to watch like i don't think it's because i had a kid or anything either like the violation of you would be surprised that's that's always there subtly a little bit right yeah the violation (laughs) of like just the innocence of children particularly is always really disturbing to me so yeah it's just like watch the kids go over the edge i'm like oh god i can't do this like (laughs) oh and then the little mask bubbling up like jesus Christ! but i'll tell you what what struck me this time that was an amazing shot by the way like Mm -hmm. i mean this flashback for a flashback and like it's shot in the way flashbacks are shot. And I, I love that vibe by the way, mm-hmm. but um, for a flashback, it is like still like super in, this is the kind of movie you would expect it to be campy a little bit, you know? Cause it's like a, it's a memory. That's not a remembered memory. It's a story that's being told. So it's like, I was expecting, especially a story being told by someone who wasn't technically there. So, it would be this like souped up kind of thing. And it actually is like so much more tragic being told by a child. It's like just it's so much worse. Yeah. It, because well, it, yeah, it, it, again, it's, it's an, it's awesome. But like, here's, awesome. here's the thing. And that's a good point you bring up, right? Is that this is a girl retelling it because she leaves out the big questions that we as adults must immediately confront. Right. right. Cause she says that they made the deal with this bus driver because their parents had become exhausted and embarrassed. 
and that is such a, a brutal way to describe it. Cause I, I know oh. every parent I know is exhausted and we all hate <laughs> when our kid is the kid who's melting down in public. And it's hard sometimes to take a step back and be like, well, they're six and they've had too much sugar and they didn't take a nap and they're overheating and they're little kids. They don't know what's happening. Right. And you're like, this is embarrassing. And you're so you as a parent, you're like, oh, God, do I have thoughts like that? Would I ever go this far? Here's the thing that leapt out at me, though. Watching it as an adult. Right. When that bus is found in that quarry, which it absolutely would be. Those bodies are still all chained up. So there's no possible way that this could ever be construed as an accident unless the people in authority positions in this town had made an oh, agreement with it. Right. I this is like that. a mayor, mm -hmm. a police chief, someone like that. So someone who is an authority figure, right, who's supposed to be a protector, which is another theme of this movie, had to OK the murder of these fucking children for the good of the town. Yeah. And that's even extra fucking terrifying. It's. Mm -hmm. It's all like all of it is terrifying to me. Like the op yeah. again, the opener was just like it was <laughs> gut wrenching. But it's because it's good. And again, like yeah. the whole movie does this like spectacularly well. And it has no there's no reason to do it well. And yet Michael Doherty just like understands for some reason what kind of movie it's supposed to be because anthologies can get like we talked about VHS. And I think that's the thing I love the most about it is because everything's melded together and intertwined. Yeah. There is this seamless thing because during VHS, yeah, you do have this recharge moment of like, oh, shit. Wow. Let's talk about this for five minutes before we go on to the next one. <laughs> or you I see a love, good one and you're like, they're not going to top that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I that's love always a hard part of anthology. That everything's intertwined. So it really isn't really it almost isn't really an anthology movie at all. It is just yeah. a straight narrative. It's just yeah, a right. really... It's you could really see it well... as a one night in town, right? Like the same Absolutely. way St. Elmo's Fire is not an anthology. No. And be, I mean, it's just a really well, it's a really well organized narrative that just has like, it's, it's like what Christopher Nolan always tries to do and doesn't. It's like a really well, <laughs> it does a really good job though of melding everything. And sorry, shot fire. Um, but it does a really I'm good job. I'm always waiting of... for the thing that someone says and I'm like, I didn't see that take coming. But it's a really well interwoven narrative that like really you can section it off. But like I stopped noticing after the first one that these were actual sections of a movie. Like I just assumed it was four stories happening simultaneously. They somehow like you link up. I'm like, this is great. Like and yeah. And then we get like this, like we get to the surprise party part. And that was I mean, yeah, actually. And anytime we, it's such a seamless movement to segments, like anytime we get start moving into another section, you can feel the vibe change rather than it being like a hard cut next mm -hmm. story. Like yeah. it's literally just a vibe change. Like, so for me from the bus to like the girls at the party, that kind of thing, like all I was feeling was just the, I was feeling just the motion changing in the movie. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even momentum change. It was literally like, we're going to, sh we're going to shift gears here and bring you to another story altogether. Mm -hmm. It was really seamless. And I think that's the thing that I was impressed with and enjoyed the most while watching it. Like mm -hmm. no movie, it's supposed to be anthology, supposed to be this well integrated. And I'm just, I, I just, I stopped even watching it as an anthology because I had read through the story beforehand and I was just like, Oh, so it's like chunked up. And I was like, cool. Oh, yeah, it sounds like fun. And I, I stopped in the middle of it even realizing yeah. that was happening. Like I couldn't tell the yeah. stories cause they were just 
well done. That's all. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think to your point with the vibe change, right, is that every one of our main characters we follow is a very different kind kind of line on this predator prey chart right yeah so Rhonda mm-hmm. is the the innocent child right mm-hmm. and then anna paquin we think is the oh she got through childhood unscathed and now she's the prey right we think and then we have the hardened serial killer and then at the end of the spectrum is the old haunted man right who never quite got over the the weight of his crimes right so there are these just subtle little shifts in how we're watching the film Mm-hmm. as it goes from place to place pretty seamlessly, right? And I I think that another way they do that, I love the way they integrate Sam into the movie too, right? Yes. <laughs> like just him and Rhonda passing each other just so matter-of-factly, I thought it's very fun to sit and watch why and how Sam is in various shots, right? Sam's in the flashback with the children on the bus. And so you mm-hmm. immediately have to wonder, is he... Is Sam drawing power from these? Is he like an Awatu? He's just like the observer of these. But then <laughs> Sam definitely gets his fucking hands dirty. So like, is he the the corrector? And it's it's fun to watch where and when he integrates. But when Rhonda comes up that elevator, right? And she just waves at them, right? Their ruse has been unfoiled. And this little girl seems very upset because she thinks her cute boyfriend likes Rhonda. And there's there's a cold horribleness to her, right? Uh-huh. And to watch them get locked out and Rhonda, because you think Rhonda just doesn't understand, but when she waves at them, she fucking understands exactly what's happening. And it's such a moment of cathartis that I, it feels like when her and Sam cross paths that he's just like, I see you over there, right? It's a game recognized <laughs> game moment. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. I thought that was yeah. really cool. What do you make of the use of Sam throughout the movie, Jessica? I always feel like, uh, like Leonardo DiCaprio, like pointing, like oh, the, right there, yeah. there he is. <laughs> and it, uh, he's obviously he's he's the the spirit of Halloween. He's yeah, you know he's, he, I agree. That's he's always there. He's just almost like checking in to see, make sure things are going the way they're supposed to be going. Yeah. Does anybody reckon any of these pot like pumpkins that I? <laughs> mm-hmm. He's yeah. just waiting in the wings and kind of just. He is like this Halloween Grim Reaper, like waiting to take. Well, you start to wonder, every town must have a Sam then, right? And that's really, you're like, ooh, is there like an army of Sams? (laughs) Are they all different? Is is this a thing like when a child dies tragically, like what looks like Sam, he is brought in as a new like cleaner of a different town? So you're saying this is like Halloween's the Santa Claus? I mean, that's... Yeah, it's the Santa Claus, right? So Sam was killed, and then right he back was. Where we started, yeah, Griffey. he was Griffey. handed the burlap sack oh, no. from the farmer that was killed at an apple bobbin in like 1600. Right? He's like, "This is y'all's now," and he puts the burlap. Sometimes dead's better, and he wraps the thing around. Yep, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's my. Th- every town has to have a Sam. Everyone's got a Santa Claus. I think Sam. it's cool. I yeah. I like it though because it it has this flavor. Again, you got to think that this town like. It, so this is like a big party Halloween town. And every year on, uh, you know, what, November 1st, they're like, Jesus Christ, another 15 dead kids, four dead swingers, the principal's murdered, like, that old man who really cares, but God, that's paperwork. Like, there's a lot of fucking bodies in this town every year. So you almost wonder if this has, like, a a Dairy Main thing from it, where, you know, we just don't look at these horrible crimes that are happening. Maybe that's some of Sam's power, but... I, I just, I, I love Sam. And then Sam gets run in the final. We do, 
almost a, an October Ebenezer Scrooge with Brian Cox. He even gets the. Has the he face even thing. has the fucking rap. He even has the Jacob Marley rap. Yeah, it's the best. yeah, it's the best. Yeah, the only thing is, is you his his Christmas morning scene is not as adorable. Ebenezer no, <laughs> Scrooge's. But yeah, so um, this was one of the, the wrong ghosts. Yeah, he's like, I I fucked up. This is not my friend Jacob Marley coming to check in on me. This is way weird. Uh, this one, Jessica, feels like. We've done all of these tales, right? And I think to your point, they did a really fun job in this movie of they, they're always subverting expectations. And it's funny because that plays in pretty stark contrast to the opening scene, which is exactly how you expect it to yeah. go, right? So they set you up to think that's how it's going to play, and then it's always twisting. I feel like this last one we're back to, we pretty much know how this one's going to go, right? And this is a man confronting whore as personified by Sam, right? The the weight of his deeds. What did you love so much about this segment of the movie? Um, I love the back and forth between them that it shows so much more of Sam. Like they're obviously like not even just like visually, but it you see that he is there's more than just the burlap sack. Um mm-hmm. and obviously he came with some sort of agenda. Um, and if you haven't figured it out by then, which I don't even think I did that. It's like, oh, he's the bus driver. He's mm-hmm. not just like a crotchety old dude yeah. who, or like a, like a Halloween, like curmudgeon. He's, he's obviously integral to the plot point of the, mm-hmm. the town there. Um, I, I like that you see, like, that's where he's got his candy razor blade and, um, he's there's so much back and forth. It's almost like a little game of cat and mouse. Like, like he's like playing with him a little bit because he's a child. And yeah. I think that that's like super creepy, but also super entertaining at the same time. And it really is kind of almost anybody's game. I, you know, Brian Cox is going to get what's coming to him, but yeah. at the same time, I still it. always felt like he deserved it. <laughs> yeah. He deserved it. Well, my I favorite bit really in fun. that, yeah, it's so it's so funny without it has almost an Evil Dead Two kind of a vibe, right? Oh Where yes, it's, oh my it's gory God, yes. and it's a serious battle, and there's serious consequences. Like we see, I love the the design of actually getting to be in this man's life, right? We see the front of the house, like one of the windows is just covered in trash bags. There's he's not wealthy, he's not happy, he's just watching like the shitty TV program. Um, he's scaring kids away. And so you're like, this is a man who made a proverbial deal with the devil to get yeah. all this fucking money to murder these kids, right? And he just became a ghost, right? Like, he died that day in a way, too, right? We don't know. He might have been, like, in Cancun blowing his money for five years and doesn't regret it, but he played as if he's regretted it, right? You'd think if you do something that evil, you would be made for life. And I love going into that setting and seeing this, you know, fucking broken old bastard. I like and the it, idea, it becomes though, this that he's really not. fun. Mm-hmm. But see, I think he is really broken, right? He has a dog that he loves, yeah. but I mean, this is a sad, sad man. When we check in, oh on no, him. I like that he's not set for life. Like, I think that's yeah. probably like it's it's not cr- it's not cruel irony. It's just like it's like the first part of your comeuppance is like yeah, cool. And they don't they don't like make thing. a big deal of it, right? They just yeah. it's built into the the set dressing like, of the yeah, scene. It's all mm-hmm. visual storytelling. That's yeah. like the yep. smartest thing about the whole thing is it's not even a thing where it's like, oh wow, this guy's been through a lot. It's like, 
No, he fucking did it to himself. Fuck that guy. Like it's all written all over his face and all over the trash on his windows. Fuck him. Yeah. So like by the time you get there with his confrontation with Sam, it's not even, it's, it's not even a thing. You're just like, can you please just take this guy out? Like, I'm not like sitting there not enjoying the movie. You're like, Jesus Christ, just like quit playing with this guy. When like, the hand crawls across the floor and he just goes, oh no, I laugh so fucking hard. The delivery of that line is so pitiful. And then it, when the hand reconnects, they cut back to just him like slack jawed. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm in a cartoon. Yeah, are you fucking kidding me? It's so, awesome. it's, it's so well acted. It's fucking, and then. It's Brian Cox, man. Yeah, and I, I like. You know, him being saved by the candy bar as he screams and Sam walks out. It's just, it's really, I don't know. There's something really cathartic about this whole bit of the movie. Yeah. And it's it's kind of the perfect combination. I would say more than probably all the stories. It's the perfect distillation of why this movie is so popular now. Is It's just, it's fucking funny, but it's brutal. There's an amazing amount of storytelling happening without it being in your face. So you really do feel like you can put a lot of stock into this man so you can be emotionally invested even if you want him to die. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's <laughs> just it, ultimately it's satisfying to see this sad bandaged bastard and see those kids on his doorstep. It's almost like a screaming at the end of the movie. Like you're so excited that those kids are going to get a yeah. piece. <laughs> it, makes, it makes that segment that much less depressing when you realize they totally like it's still depressing, but less depressing because they totally got a piece. Like yeah. that's mm-hmm. that was like oh thank god they couldn't like, have ended this bit. movie without those kids but in see, that horrifying like, sad yeah. moment be right. avenged. That's what's so great about this movie, like it the wrap up because like to me, not just anthologies but like horror movies in general, I think function really well on the beginnings and the ends. Like we always talk about the kills in the middle and that kind of shit, but you always remember the beginning and the end, and mm-hmm. the end always works when it's a wraparound i've never seen a movie i've never seen a horror movie do a wrong make a wrong turn doing a wraparound every time we've seen a movie, even movies i haven't enjoyed now i'm gonna example. try to really think about that humanoids of the deep mm-hmm. hated humanoids of the deep but the <laughs> wraparound is something i remember to this yeah. day and it's awesome it makes that well, movie humanoids that of the deep is more of a reach around than a wraparound is probably oh, well, Probably why that one didn't work as well. Well, we can certainly debate that if you'd like. But <laughs> if you want to watch humanoids again, a little again, too consensual for humanoids of the deep. <laughs> That's true. They're like, no, no, stop wrapping around me, uh, Jessica. Please save us. Uh, <laughs> what, how do you, how do you feel about this this final plight of uh, the bus driver? Um, I love that Sam kind of gave the kids their turn. Yeah. Um, I think that oh, that's the false hope. That's a good point. Yeah. It is false hope. It's like yeah. I kind of like taught him a little bit of a lesson or like reinforced the lesson that was kind of there for him that he just wasn't embracing. And then he, he, I love when you think it's good and then it's not. Um, yeah. And especially with you can't not give the man what he deserved. It's mm-hmm. not very in the spirit of Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's what. Um, what makes that so great is that those kids get what they deserved. He got what he deserves. And Sam kind of bridges that from how like, or bridges that so that it does happen, which is perfect. Yeah. That one was really a good time. Now we, we actually skipped a tale. 
Okay. Uh, and yeah, if I'm being real. honest, yes. <laughs> and I don't know that Jessica's going to agree with me, I think the werewolf story in this one is a bit weak. There's parts I really enjoy. And if I had to choose, like if I got a survey, how would you want to die? Uh, via werewolf orgy would be number yeah. one on, with a bullet, yeah, I'm right? I'm not going to lie. <laughs> get, getting howling slash ginger snapped is certainly a way I'd like to go. Number one on my list. That's how I'd love <laughs> to die. Um, I wanted a lot. <laughs> All right. Everyone. It just works. Who wouldn't? Come on. I wanted more from this story. What did you, what did you take away from this story? What were you loving about it? I think that's the one story that one, that story is what made me love trick or treat to begin with. I remember yeah. seeing that. I don't know what I'm always surprised by movies. I, I'll never be the one that's like, Oh, I saw that coming the whole time. No matter yeah. how much I sit and analyze yeah. movies. <laughs> I thought it was going to be vampires. I had, I didn't even see any of that coming whatsoever. I don't know what was wrong with me. And again, I was like, a stupid girl that I'm saying like, like oh, I didn't see this coming yeah <laughs> so well there, like, oh my it's God. funny re-watching it and I wonder if one of the reasons why this one feels a little watered down to me is because it's the one with the big twist at the end really sure. and it's so funny because I was watching it today and I was like man they were really telling us though because I don't remember Pushing if I it. figured it out but they were like you know we'll huff and we'll puff we're here for fresh meat <laughs> And as soon as they get to the counter and they're like picking up the boyfriend and the camera guys, you're like, wait a second. All of these women look like they were like created on Themyscira, right? Out of clay. Like they're these beautiful Amazonian, like perfect women. Why are they picking up all of these fucking like fives, right? These like just schlubby looking guys. And so you're like, something's off. I can't yeah. tell what. Anytime I see a me looking guy getting picked up in a movie, I'm always like, that dude's dead. This is so funny. I won't say the name of my friend, but we were at a bar once in Las Vegas, right? And uh, I we're sitting there ordering drinks, and this girl slid up to him, and she's like, hey, what's up? And she started running game on him. She's like, I just think you're so handsome and so charming. And I was like running her hands through his hand, and he was so cold to her, so icy cold, right? And I was like, damn, is my friend just like an absolute like boss at running game? And he's playing hard to get. And she left. He like brushed her away. And I was like, what was that? Why were you so mean to her? He's like, she's a prostitute. And I was like, uh, how do you? That? Well, I was like, how did you know? Because I, I thought I knew and I, I didn't call it. And he goes, because she was hitting on me. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I literally thought you were going to be like, he, he, he says to you, she's a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, then we would have been chasing after her. There would be no podcast. Yeah. We would be dead in Vegas, but, but no, I mean, there, there is a, it's strange that that one is, I feel like it's a twist ending and I cannot remember if I saw it coming. Did you, Alex, this was your first time watching it. Nope. I actually, I kn thought it was going to be vampires. Cause I would, I the, think it, it plays cult like, right? Like maybe yeah, they're like a cult I thought it was going to be like vampires, witchcraft. maybe a witch thing. Like, I don't know if that means I'm sexist or not, but like, right, yeah, because it's witches, because it's witches. Women. <laughs> like, it's like the first, maybe, maybe it's She's because even of, we, Red Riding Hood just like, watched Fear Street there. 1666. So I'm like, maybe that's what I can say to avoid yeah. sounding like a sexist asshole. But like that, <laughs> I was like, there's got to be something else going on here. Not expecting that. Like that one blew my fucking hair back, man. Which was awesome. Like yeah. it was great. Like I, I will take Lady Werewolves all day long. Like it's yeah, just the mm -hmm. best.
Well, it has but that I really think... funny opening in the costume store where the kid's like looking at yeah. him through the peeper. Yep. <laughs> and there's this nice little bond, but then it feels like that story gets lost and then just ends with this cataclysmic ending. I was, what do you think of this uh, this this bit of the story, Jessica? Did it work for you throughout? Uh, I know the ending works for everyone. What what did you, what were you thinking as this uh, was slowly playing out? Um, it definitely totally works. It's one of the yeah. if if we're gonna call this an anthology, and we can. Um, I think it's one of the most memorable anthology stories that I can think of. Mm-hmm. It, that mm-hmm. uh, surprise! All these beautiful women are horrific werewolves and they're awesome. and the like the imagery and the special effects are untouched they're perfect i think they are they are they're literally really like the good. way that they slid on their glove their costume is how they literally took it off like they took off their skin mm. kind of like revealing like a costume that underneath. boot thing is my favorite bit good. Oh, ever so the boots good. coming <laughs> off i like i, I watch oh. it i was like i'm gonna have to show my wife this part because this is like awesome yeah, she's, she's like, like she like works she like, like works zipper? in boutique fashion. I'm like, I think you'll enjoy these boots, <laughs> and even more so when you see how they come off. Yeah, <laughs> it was dope, dude. They're very functional. Yeah, <laughs> it, it works so good. It's so good. It's so like tasty. Um, yeah. it's it's like it's very attractive. It's almost it's very um, what do I say? Like it's like appealing to, to yeah. everybody. If you're a man, it's appealing to you. If you're a woman, it's appealing to you. It's it's very, uh, I want to say, like hypnotic. That that like this like whole scene, the way it unfolds, and then you have yeah. the, um, "Sweet Dreams" the cover uh, playing. Yeah. I think that was like one of the first times that I fucking hate Marilyn Manson, but I was like, oh my god, this song is so good here. Yeah. Like, I never liked Marilyn you know, Manson either. Time, and then that cover, I'm like, just imagine him as the pale face guy getting eaten. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Take that with you next time you watch it. Wow, uh, that came circle a little bit there. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, right. <laughs> well done. But I mean that that the ending. It's like it just puts you in a trance, right? Where you're like, I want to be in this. I feel yeah. it. I'm scared. I'm aroused. I'm scared. <laughs> it's like everything. But I was like, so you see the real monster of the movie, the serial killer dad. Now he's the victim, right? She throws him like he's trash, and he's scared, and he please help me. That's wildly appealing, right? Uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek and rehashing the dialogue, right, from this new perspective, right? So that's kind of got this funny bit to it. And honestly, I was struck by these women, right, that these these beautiful women, right, tens as you would call them, right, just these idealized women going out into the woods and peeling away that Disney princess bullshit and just unveiling this true inner self and absolutely so cool. asserting their power as beings beyond the fucking, you know, sensuality and, you know, Disney yeah. costumes and just being, like, fully unleashed and powerful. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's just like, even though you're like, yeah, I would be one of the, the fat chubby guys on the ground getting eaten. Okay. I think I would do, like, I'd be laying there like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. uh like a golf clap. Like, My well final done. words would be, I'm so proud of it? you. Yeah. Worth it. <laughs> like, do you need someone to walk your puppies? Leave me. I'll serve you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's just, and I think this is a good a good example too. Uh, the most important thing in a short horror film, right, is always the ending. It's what do you leave the audience with? What are they thinking yeah. about when it's over? Because you can set up a horror movie as great as you want. If you don't, ha- well, especially a short, if you don't hammer the ending, 
they just won't remember it. It'll feel like they were let down. And so I feel like this one has, because essentially it's we're here to pick up guys. Why are you picking up those guys? And then the werewolf orgy. And it doesn't feel like a lot has taken place or I know them that much. But that last scene is so much. I would argue that's probably the most memorable scene in the whole movie to anyone who's ever seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's I think that that's like the power. A, yeah. It's almost like a, a like a strange twist on like a fable because yes, you, know, you have totally. all of these princesses, you know, the re- a little red riding hood. Yeah, it's the, like this the, reverse the, red riding hood. It's And, and so in what maybe they spend probably like eight 15 minutes on their scenes throughout the whole movie and it packs such a punch narratively and then there's also so many like there's so much to interpret and unpack and digest and i think that that's brilliant yeah agreed i agree you know what is actually probably the scariest scene in the movie is uh when the kids are trick-or-treating and they go to the uh, teacher who's just having a a furry orgies house. <laughs> I was just like, God, I remember as a kid, you see that adult who's just getting a little too loose, right? Like they're a little too drunk and they start just talking to you like you're a fellow sad, drunk old person. And as a kid, yeah, it's we, very disturbing. It's just, real uncomfortable. When the kid's like, what? I don't even know what I was watching. He's like, I think someone was butt fucking a cat. I just, I thought that was so funny. That's such a good bit. <laughs> That's how we met our neighbors uh, last Halloween. That's how we met our neighbors. Excuse me? What was that? At a furry orgy? No, there was no furry orgy, but everything pointed at something happening uh, down the street (laughs) a couple of houses down, and we were like, where did we... Where do we? Where are we living right now? You just get on the neighborhood Facebook page, and you're like, where was my invite? Where was my invite? Yeah, you know it's going to show up. We whenever they have a party on the street without It's going to show up on the like, next what? door app almost immediately the next day. You know what? You know what is funny because everyone in my neighborhood's kind of like the same age and has children and this and that. There's this one couple that lives diagonal from me, and they exercise, and they're both like young and beautiful, and they don't have kids, and they have these awesome parties in their backyard. And I'll just be sitting in my driveway like I should fucking be over there. I'm cool enough to hang out with young people. <laughs> I get so sad about it. And I'm no, not, no. and I'll never be invited. I'm just, nope, I'm no. the guy they're probably, who can't. They're probably fucking murdering people. Yeah, they're <laughs> probably monsters. And they think I, they just assume I wouldn't be into that. Lame. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I, I know the vibe. I know that vibe. But uh, yeah, so to bring this full circle, this was a great chat. Jessica, just wrap this up, right? What, the, the love, sum, summarize your love affair with Trick or Treat. Um, it's got, it's the whole package, kind of like how Halloween is. There's tricks, there's treats, there's all the fun, there's all the seriousness, there's the legend, there's the tradition, there's the scary parts to it, there's the heartwarming parts to it. It's got that, it has spirit. That's, that's the most important thing. And it's really hard to come by sometimes, especially when you're looking at at, uh, like a a Halloween horror movie. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's the yeah. formula there. There's, it's been done before. They're playing too much nothing. on the imagery and not telling or giving you any. I think that's what I love about this is that it is kind of a surface level, like chocolate coated good time, right? Where it feels like empty calories, right? You know, it's a wolf orgy and this and that. <laughs> but when you get down to it, this movie has a lot to say. And it's really, it's very vicious in how it is kind of portraying some of the things that, you know, we maybe turn an eye to and, 
you know, the monster next door. So I think it's just this perfect, and it doesn't rely on just Halloween imagery, right? Like, oh, look, we've got some pumpkins here, so pay us money. This is, and I think the way you said it is how I remember it. This movie's got the spirit of Halloween trapped on in celluloid, right? Like it just, it feels exactly like it is the essence of Halloween. Alex, same question. Wrap this up. This was your first time, man. Will this I mean, be in your Halloween rotation going forward? Oh yeah. I mean, to me, this is like the, this is the perfect <laughs> summation of this is the perfect summation of literally, listen, we've done a lot of horror movies in the last like three years of doing this podcast. Like a lot. <laughs> this is like a lot. No, um, this is honestly the summation rule of threes. Um, the summation of a lot of these movies. We don't want. We don't want whoever is the Sam of grammar and comedy coming. There's some us. Sam in there. I know you're there. No, um, it's actually me. <laughs> Jessica shows up at your house and stabs you. Yep. There's so many great bits in this movie, and like, first off, how dare you say the werewolf orgy is somehow the candy coating that's the nougat in the how center, my dare you how dare you no you are the nougat in the center that's the uh, that's the trick of that one no truth be told like <laughs> the movie just does such a good job of not pandering and it totally should like this is the perfect kind of movie that on a surface level would be like oh so they're just like hijacking all the coolest parts of all these horror movies like no like not even close in fact they're doing all these new cool things and like that's what makes movies like this, especially horror movies like this, that much more entertaining is because they are this little group group activity movie that we all watch together. And like, did you remember how fucking cool that was? Like, yes. that's <laughs> what makes Trick or Treat special. Yeah. And that's what makes it 1000% in my rotation. Yeah, I think it's it's just a lovely film, man. And I, I'm always one of those. I'm, I'm hoping the world comes back to normal and I can see this in theater again sometime. Because uh, I think now yeah. that it's become a cult classic, I think it would be a really be cool. awesome theater experience. But Jessica, You're as much best. as we love Trick or Treat, we love you more. Thank you for coming You're and talking best. to us again. Love you guys so much. <laughs> yeah, it was Thank awesome. You. You're great as always. Would you like to tell everyone where they can find your work at the moment? Um, right now, I've got some fun stuff coming out. So um, be sure to follow me. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, at JJ Rose seven and J is spelled out J A Y J A Y Rose seven. So keep awesome. an eye out. I've got a lot of fun stuff coming awesome. out. Hopefully that fingers I can crossed. announce yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by the time this airs, who knows? Fingers crossed. I believe it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Uh, you are always welcome to come back with any movie you want to talk about. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on the October Mega Marathon. It's the best time of the year. Crazy. All right. Bye, everyone. We'll see you back tomorrow for more Horror Movie Madness.